Hello and welcome to episode 129 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. And joining me as always is the glorious League Freak, who you can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Very good. It was good to get some rain this afternoon. It's been so hot in Sydney, so hot and humid. And uh, so, yeah, it was a nice change. How have you been doing? Yeah, it was pretty hot here a few days ago. And then just like it is in Melbourne, you get like 42 degrees and the next day is about 12. Yeah, so it's weird. It's uh, we've got a cool one tomorrow, but it's yeah, it's going good. Yeah, oh, that's good. We'll uh, we're gonna be doing more podcasts too. Like mm-hmm. it's starting to ramp up. You can feel it. You can feel the footy season's nearly here. Now, one thing I, I will say before we get yeah. to the footy talk, yeah, is I was I was on the train the other day, mm-hmm. and we know there's this, a lot of talk about the coronavirus going around at the moment. Yeah. I've got a concern, and it's to do with the people who wear those face masks in public. Yeah. Are they protecting themselves from the virus, or are they carrying it? That's a good point, right? I, I, think, I, think... I, I think these bastards need to have that shit written on the front of that mask. <laughs> Imagine if it was the law that you had to, like, write carrier on your face. Yes. Face mask. That would be so weird. Um yeah, and it's something like, look, I've never seen anybody that's not an Asian with the face mask on like that. Like, they they know, the like, if something happens, you put on that face mask and you just protect yourself. And I reckon maybe we should all be following their lead, hey? Well, possibly. I mean, for someone like me who's susceptible to viruses, <laughs> it, it does concern me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I see yeah. these people and they've got the face mask and I go, right, I've got to go to the furthest end of, of this train to make sure I'm as safe as possible. I actually watched a video of, and it was a, a Chinese doctor that was showing um, how to actually put, use the masks properly. And it was interesting because there was there were little things, like he was saying, like, when you take it off, don't touch the front of it. Because if you touch the front of it, you, it that, the whole point of wearing a mask is to keep these germs off you and you're actually putting your hands on the mask the front of the mask it was really interesting um it's pretty scary hey seeing the way that it's traveling around the world a little bit and um you get the feeling that that the authorities of different countries don't really want to pull the trigger on stopping travel unless they really have to and they're not sure what that the trigger is for that to happen. Yeah, everyone's been really tentative, except mm. for me. I'm complaining about people wearing face masks. <laughs> You're like, take all the germs. We're just in a box that's going through the suburbs. What the hell, yeah. man? I, I just like a general rule. If you're carrying, you wear a vase. You yeah. wear the little masking over your face. If you're just scared about getting it, don't go on the train. They reckon it come from somebody that ate um, snake meat. Is what I've read. Ah, the old snake meat. Yeah. You got to be careful uh, of that snake meat. Yeah, jeez, oh you got to make sure that stuff's prepared properly. Yeah, definitely. Otherwise, it'll come back and bite you in the ass. Ah, oh, boom, tish. Oh, jeez, that's a dad joke. That one. Ah, oh, man, I had to get the first one out of the way for the year. Yeah, yeah. All Even right. though we've had like four episodes or something each. Yeah, <laughs> it takes it takes me a while to warm up with the dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> now, should we, should we get into the footy news? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, this is a rugby league podcast sometimes. Alrighty. Sometimes. Um, 
All right, we'll start with the huge news out of England. And mm. England has replaced their coach with a bloke. Yeah, and I like it when um, any time you can replace the most successful National Rugby League coach with a guy, I think that you're doing the right thing. Um, then again, I love winning Ashes series by smashing England 3 nothing and record scorelines on their own soil. So I'm probably biased in that sense. Yeah. Um, so th- this bloke is, is Sean Wayne. Um, mm. I, I, I'd i argue that his time as a coach at any level professional was done and dusted. Um, I, f- I feel like he is the English version of Frank Endicott. <laughs> you know? And even Frank Endicott, he managed to do some shit over there in England. But he couldn't coach, save his life. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Sean Wayne doesn't fill me with much hope as as a coach. I've argued that England needed to have a a genuine former player, like one from the 80s or 90s, who was a successful player and could inspire the players to sort of show a bit more passion for the jumper and get a bit of that fighting spirit back. Yeah. And I always said, like, you know, Ellery Hanley would be a good a good pick for that sort of a role? Because that's what you need. You sort of need a mentor more than an actual skills coach. Yeah, I'd agree and, with that, yeah. And uh, uh, the my, my main reason is because, you know, Wayne Bennett's going to have his eyes constantly on the NRL because he's got an NRL team to coach. Mm-hmm. So to have someone like an Ellery Hanley coaching the England side, who isn't a Super League coach either, but has coaching experience and he's an absolute legend of the game, I'd put him in the same sort of mould as a, as a Mel Meninga sort of person. Yeah. You know, just would have that inspiring sort of thing about him when it comes to leading a team. I thought that would be what they needed more than anything else. And they brought in Sean Wayne. Yeah, I mean, I you know, and I've seen people say, oh, he's a winner and everything. And it's like, man, winning in Super League doesn't mean you're a good coach. I think that we've made that really, really clear over the years. And the thought that you would have Wayne Bennett, who's happy to be there, and you say, no, we're going to replace him with with Sean Wayne. I, I just don't get it. But, you know, they'll, they'll pay for it, and it'll be fantastic to watch. I'll enjoy all of it. <laughs> and they'll blame it on, you know, some stupid shit, because it's never England's fault. It's always some other external well, shit. they'll blame it on Wayne Bennett, whatever systems he set up. Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. I mean, this they. I remember them once blaming the English referee for losing the game because he was too unbiased against Great Britain. <laughs> uh, there's just a million excuses for the Poms, and they're going to tick off every one of them, and then go back to the top of the page and start ticking them off again. You know, that, the honest truth is they don't need any coach. What they need is the reincarnation of Jesus to come back and bless them all and make them be able to walk on water and then it just be played in torrential rain. <laughs> and then they'll they'll get the score within two. Yeah, they might get close. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sean Wayne, I can't believe they picked him. I mean, I, I can and I can't. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not surprised that they picked him, but I just wish they hadn't have. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's going to be a backward step. I wonder if he is going to embrace these um, Aussies 
who are over there that Wayne Bennett, I mean, Wayne Bennett was pretty straightforward with it. He was like, if I can pick him, I'm going to pick him. I feel like Wayne won't do that as much. And if they decide to not pick the Australians that they've picked on the last tour, I can't even imagine how bad they're going to be because the Australian players were about their best players and they've got no halves at all. If you take out Hastings, yeah, they've got they've got no halves. Like even slightly, that's a half. And fucking what's his name? Widdop won't be healthy. He never is. No, no. Um, there's going to be a lot riding on George Williams this year at Canberra. Yeah, a lot riding on him. And he's going to be too busy bloody slinging dick down in the nation's <laughs> capital to be worried about football. Bloody oh, ladies man. man down there. He must be putting a few birds away every night. Ah. Schnoz that big mate. He must be packing it at least a foot downstairs. Just a giant hog. <laughs> I mean, best of luck to him. I mean, good on you, mate. But geez, oh yeah, he's uh, he's going to be busy. Yeah, well, look, it's the future of Great Britain at this stage. Just you know, fire fire a couple of them off. Hopefully, you you know you start planting the seeds in Australia. Send them back to England. Hopefully they become become good Super League players. Exactly, exactly. Look, if they're getting them from fucking Hebersham, they can get them from I don't know what. What are some of the places down in fucking Canberra? Um, what do they call them? Civic. Uh, <laughs> I can't fucking remember. Who gives a shit? That's the Fishwick. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you about Fishwick. It is really weird to go to Fishwick to go and get all of your, like, produce and stuff, and it's all at the markets across the street from, like, sex shops and strip clubs. <laughs> Very weird. So you were getting produce? Produce? Why would I go there for produce? Oh, good, good. I just wanted to make sure, I just wanted to be clear on that one. <laughs> and really randomly, they've just got a goat on the side of the road chewing grass, and it's That's a famous not, goat. It's not that random. Isn't it? No. Okay. It's probably very closely linked with those sex shops. Probably, eh? They're like, they keep it out the front. Yeah. Maybe it's one of those, like, weird signs. You know when people throw uh, shoes over the, the power lines? It's like a sign. Yeah. Oh, boy. This went off track pretty early. Yeah. Yeah, this right. is uh, this is a special one. This, this is what uh, happens when we don't podcast every night. We start to build up. And then we just, you know, need to verbally bust. Yeah, well, speaking of someone who did bust, yeah. uh, Tyrone May. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Man, geez. what a segue. Yeah. Um, he avoided going to jail for after he was secretly filmed himself having a root with some bird. Um, yeah. In, the, in, judge, in, the judge apparently came down hard on the... Jeez, uh, that's a bad t- turn of words. Yeah, um, on, on some Panthers, um, was it some sort of campaign they've got in the community called Panthers yeah. on the Prowl? Panthers on the Prowl, yeah. It's been going on for a very long time, too. And been quite um, successful. It has been, actually. Yeah, it was funny to hear that the judge said that the name was inappropriate, which I hadn't thought about it until he said it. But I guess when, you know, he's judging this case, it does kind of come up as, I mean, if they've said, look, you know, 
He's a good bloke. It's not his go. He even participates in Panthers on the prowl. I can see where the judge is like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, prowling for what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that was... Uh, man, he's lucky. So here's the question now. Mm. Should Tyro May be in the Panthers 30-man squad this year? Well, you got to look it up from Rugby League's point of view, right? He's a good bloke, and it's not his go. And he deserves a second chance. And of course he fucking will be. And there'll be some dickhead that'll be pushing him for rep teams and all sorts of crap. Like, it's just what Rugby League does. Um, unless you're Catholic and you say Catholic things. Yeah, then yeah. if... Yeah, you can't say stuff that people disagree with. But you can definitely do it. I oh, you can do all sorts of shit, but you can't mm. say stuff. Nah, nah. You can't same, even same Instagram it. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Um got some 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 bad news, I guess. Uh there's talk that Ryan James has done his ACL at training and could well miss the entire twenty twenty season. Yeah, that was that sucked because he was you got the feeling that he was just starting to shake off that trepidation about being fit for the season and we will start seeing him in the media starting to talk about coming back and how you know he's really looking forward to it and stuff um and then he you know he does his knee again my guess is i mean he's a big dude and i know that you can come back from a couple of back-to-back acl tears but you know with his age and and all that sort of thing it's going to be really difficult for him to come back, I think. Yeah, look, the, the problem the Titans have got is they need him on the field so badly. Mm-hmm. Last year when he was missing, that team lacked all sorts of direction, leadership, because um, that's what he brings to that side. He's you, He would he would go into the starting forward pack in pretty much any NRL side because of that um, that work rate he has. Mm-hmm. The ability he has with, with the ball in hand, he's a good try scoring forward too, and you can play front row and back row. Um, I, I got huge traps on him, but it's an absolute shame that he's he could be missing the whole season again because you know he's the difference between the Titans being also Rans and being wooden spooners at this stage. Yeah, no, I mean he's lost. So we've we've seen it. You take him out of their pack, and it look you know it's a. It, it, it looks very different. Um, it just sucks. I mean, how they must really do a lot of work right now as a club on how they get him to look at this mentally. Because the physical stuff, that physically coming back from it, is rotten. But when you do it like this and it's back-to-back, and I mean, he hasn't been on the football field for a long time now, it, it's... I feel like it's more a mental thing of like, do I want to go through this again? Um, man, it just sucks. You know, it just happens, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he turns, he turns 29 this year. Yeah, I mean, he's still got a number of years left in him. And look, these years or th- these years that he's had off with injury, it's kilometres that he's not put in his legs. So if he can come back and he, his body holds up, you know, he could play until he's like 36, 37 just because he hasn't put the Ks in his legs. But, man, uh, back-to-back 
uh, it's just rotten. You don't like to see it at all. No. I mean, it's bad enough when a pl- anyone does the RACL, but to do it back to back is just rotten. It, it's horrible luck. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's hoping he, he doesn't miss the whole year and he gets back for some part of this season because I think it would help him more than anyone else. Yeah, just getting any minutes on the field, even if it was the last game of the year, coming off the bench, just, you know, give him something to mm. aim for. Yeah, some more horrible news. Um, Finney Cooler, a 21-year-old Sharks prop, um, has had to retire after fighting had a, uh, a cancer on the brain, essentially. Yeah. Um, he got up one morning, had a headache, took some neurofin, Headache didn't go away, kept coming back, and every every time he took medicine, it wasn't doing anything. So eventually, we went to the doctor, and they they found it there, and now he's going to have a, a a shunt put in his head to drain some of the the blood out of his head to take the pressure off his skull. Jeez. Um. So. Uh, I mean, what do you say? Yeah. At least they found it. At least they, you know. Hopefully, they, they found it, it early and. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't impact on his way of life, I guess, as 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 much as possible. And yeah. he makes a full recovery. And obviously, it's unfortunate rugby league won't be a part of his life in the future. Because I mean, he was a schoolboy uh, kangaroo and mm-hmm. absolute absolute gun junior. He was, he was looking like he was going to be pushing for a spot in the Sharks thirty man squad, um, if not this year, then definitely next year. Yeah. So. Um, just, just shit luck, I guess. I mean, and all, you know, that, that happens. But um, hopefully, he makes a full recovery and, and is um, has has many, many, many more years in, in front of him. Yeah, and I hope the game supports him. I mean, the game supports uh, a lot of people that it shouldn't, and this young bloke that deserves the support of the game. And hopefully, uh, hopefully, it gets treated. He can get through it, and you know, have some sort of role within the game just so he's he's still part of it and his his career with as a professional or in professional sport can continue exactly um now we'll get to the other news uh ben murdoch masilla there was a highlight of him from the weekend when super league kicked off and he basically ran over the top of george burgess made him look like an absolute dweeb and then scored a try to cap it off uh, and then we had news shortly after that game that the Warriors have signed him. Yeah, well, it's I mean, it's good that the Warriors now are able to target players like Ben Murdoch-Masilla because, you know, it's not like they have a country full of people from, like, Polynesia and Melanesia and, and Maoris and stuff like that that are big forwards that can bust through the line. So it's good that they've finally got somewhere they can source players like that from. Um, uh, it just seems like a, a typical Warriors signing. Like, I look at it and be like, the, you know, the Warriors don't need a player like him. Um, I'm wondering how Stephen Kearney wrecks him. <laughs> yeah. It'll put him through some sort of special training that it's like... Yeah, oh jeez, I don't know that. What, what would you? What type of special training do you reckon Adam Blair has received to somehow play like three hundred of the most averages fuck first grade games? 
well, I think every team turns up to training. They put out those, you know, those huge big mats they use for like high jumpers and stuff like that. Yeah. They put one of those on the ground and then they, uh, four or five of the Warriors players would pick him up and gently yeah. lie him on it. Yeah. And then they'd just give him a teddy bear and just a, put a blanket over him and just leave him there. Yeah. That's his training. It's got to be. Yeah. Don't worry about running at him. You just stay there. She'll be sweet, mate. We, we got this. We got you. We'll look after you. Do you remember during the uh, famous Matthew Elliott eras at the Canberra Raiders and the Penrith Panthers and the New Zealand Warriors when they used to do this thing where they'd come out of a, a, a off season and they'd be like, you know what? So-and-so's put on 10 kilos of just pure muscle. <laughs> and you'd see these players and their mobility was shot to shit because yeah, they were just carrying they, too much weight. They could not move sideways at all. Yeah. Nah. So all you had to do was just run at shoulders and there'd just yeah. be holes everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. I, you know, and it, that, like Matthew Elliott, he had this trainer and uh, I can't remember his name, but yeah, I, and look, it might not was, have been, was, he might have known name, what he was. his name Beatloaf? Meatloaf. I don't know. I, can't, I just seriously can't remember his name, but for whatever reason, Matthew Elliott liked his teams big and mobile and he loved like five hit ups and a kick. Oh, I think, if we're honest here, mm. Matthew Elliott may have been a visionary in a completely different format. Because he's probably thinking, you know, what rugby league would work really well with is if we had the same number of players on each side as what an AFL team has. Mm-hmm. And if they're all built massive, they mm-hmm. just form a wall across the field from one side to the other. No one's getting through. See? Is that up, possible? Up there, up there for thinking, down there for dancing. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, I do feel as though he was playing 4D chess to a little extent, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that was going on in his head. I feel like the, Matthew Elliott was coaching on a different plane of existence to everyone else. Yeah, I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. Um. Now, we've got a few other, a few other articles here to look at. Mm-hmm. The first one is this this article which has been written by um, my old mate George Clark. Yeah, yeah, you were telling me about this one. I didn't, I haven't read this one, so I've only read bits and pieces of it. So I'm sort of just going to paraphrase a bit here. Okay. Um, the title of it is "Palau's Rugby League Return is a big fuck you to the principles the game was built on." Mind you, the censored out the word fuck, but you know this is my oh, podcast, really? so I'll, I'll say fuck if I want to say fuck. Oh, yeah. Um, here we go. The news that Israel Folau, an unashamed bigot, will be allowed to play rugby league again was a shock to the system. More importantly, it was a kick in the balls for the very principles the game was built upon. Now, as a historian, yeah, let, let's have a chat about the very principles the game was built upon. Um, yeah. A fair go for players who are putting in the hard work and risking their own health mm-hmm. to make money for a game. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. They um, wanted to earn money playing footy, and that was the whole thing. Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. It was all about yeah. fairness. Yeah. Fairness. Yeah. And within the first 10 years of the game starting up in Australia... They extended that fairness to Catholic schools. 
Yeah, and like you've told me about this a little bit that it for a little while it was very much part of the game. Like it was intertwined to a certain degree, not not full on, but it was definitely part of what the uh, early game. One of its founding things, one of its foundation things, I guess. Yeah, yeah, because it, it was an idea of get it into the, you know, the the Catholic schools were seen to be sort of on par with private schools. I dare say, to some extent, back in that time. So if you got it into the Catholic schools, and that's a good step towards getting, you know, attacking, I dare say, some of the rugby union grassroots. Yeah. So that was the idea behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I find it hard that the very principles of the game have anything whatsoever to do with Israel Folau's return being a kick in the balls. just seems, uh, let's say, far-fetched. He then goes on to say that 125 years ago, many Northern England who put their lives at risk working in heavy industry asked to be paid for their troubles when they stepped onto a rugby field. They were playing union at the time, and they were told to shut up and play on. They did by setting up their own sport called Rugby League. Well, it wasn't called Rugby League until the 20s over there. Yeah. Um, you know, don't let facts get in the way of a good story, mate. No. Um, he then goes on to talk about all of the black footballers who have played the game. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, this isn't a race thing at all. Like, I mean, it's never... Israel Folau's never said anything about race, has he? No. No, he hasn't been racist. But, uh, and and again, let us stress that we don't agree with what he said. No, it's uh, stupid. So then he goes on to say, uh, man, there's so much shit in this. (laughs) <laughs> you're really not happy about oh, I'm not I'm one. not it's just <laughs> it's just I, Fox Sports if you want someone to write genuine opinion pieces there's two blokes right here that can do better than this crap and we can do it in probably half the time he did it in it's, this is just this is just utter garbage well the thing is it's like it sounds like he's tried to set up a framework that didn't actually exist within the game in its early days. Like it's, I mean, it was literally purely about the players wanted to get paid, you know, and there wasn't some other grand scheme about it early on. And the, the other thing is too, like, I mean, you look at rugby league in the last even 20 years, is there anybody that rugby league has really honestly said no to. And I can't think of anyone other than Todd Carney who has been, the NRL said no to him. But that's about it. I mean, can you think of anyone else that has properly been banished from rugby Uh, league? Maybe to some extent Ben Barber, I guess, but I mean, the writing's still on the wall there. It's only been a short time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Ben Barber. Um, Tim Simona would have been. (laughs) Yeah, but well, even he got allowed back. But yeah, yeah and, and like you look at what he did, I I can't believe he's back. That just says everything about rugby league. Yeah, the thing here that gets me is that these people who are opposed to Israel Folau. I look, 
I'm opposed to everything he said. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, one hundred That's not up for debate. Um, but everything that these people are opposed to is when the line comes out. The RFL is committed to equality and diversity. Mm. You get this thing which Rugby Australia had as well was the, you know talk about their inclusion policy. How can you have an inclusion policy that excludes someone based on their religious views? That's not inclusion. That's exclusion. That's contradicting your inclusion policy. Yeah, and you, like you can't, the idea, you can't the have idea, a rule and then change change the goalpost whenever the whenever you feel like it. No, and the idea that uh, Israel Flair is the only person in all of World Rugby League that feels this way is friggin' ridiculous. Like, and I, I don't know if I, I wouldn't have a clue who any of the other players are. They probably, you know, don't say it out loud or to the media or to anyone like that because. You know, it has cost Israel Folau some money doing that. Um, and But this this idea that all rugby league players sing Kumbaya and then they go and play f- football, it, it's just not, it's not reality. It's not a reality that we live in. Um, and, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you have to like what somebody says. But there's, and we talked about this, I think it was a couple of episodes ago, where, you know, there's been people that have physically assaulted other people, uh, men and women, and I don't see how those people can be allowed into the game. But then Israel Folau puts some shit up that's just stupid shit that he said, and we're supposed to banish him forever. And I'm not saying that we need to brace what he thinks i'm not saying we need to embrace him uh but i i just don't I, it, to me it doesn't line up and i don't like that hypocritical uh thing that rugby league does along those lines um well it's 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 outrage culture is what it is and it's stupid because on one hand over in England, you got you got people and fans over there celebrating the great play of robert louis mm-hmm. yeah he, he was found to have bashed his wife or missus twice in the space of two years, once when she was pregnant. Yet Israel Folau's not allowed back because he said stuff. I just... I, it, it baffles me how people can get so outraged that they will not allow a person who said something to play the game at all, but they'll allow someone like Louis back into the game. They'll allow someone like Matthew Lodge back into the game. Sure, they may not like what they did, but... You know, it only takes a year or two and the outrage seems to disappear and they move on to something else and they just start to accept it. I mean, Russell Packer. Russell Packer got a big redemption story and yet yeah. he went to bloody jail. I, I, yeah. It baffles me. It baffles me. People are crazy. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. And, you know, I can understand that uh, the vast majority of people don't have the time in their lives to remember these players and what they've done. Um, I know I don't like it. You know, I know that there's players that, and players in my own club that, you know, I mean, we were, I remember Phil Gould was talking about um, possibly signing Matt Lodge. And I was like, man, this, this is, this is rotten. You know, I, I, I don't, even if they play for my own club, I don't cheer people on that I, 
I don't like what they've done. And I think that Catalans fans have that ability to do that with Falau. You know, you don't have to like these people. Um, but I, I do look, if all of these players that, that have done rotten things were not part of the game and were never allowed back and then Israel Falau was, I'd be saying, well, this is weird that they've allowed Israel Falau in. But it's it's not the case. It's sort of flipped the other way around. Um, you know, I, I don't think that there's a an easy answer to this. It would be it would probably be really easy for the entire game of rugby league to say no, you you can't do it. But this is a game that's been run on self interest since it was begun on self interest back in exactly. eighteen ninety five. So you were always going to get a club that was going to break it. And whether it was at a a higher level or a lower level or whatever, there was always going to be somebody that said, yeah, we'll give him a go. And it turns out it was Catalina Dragons. And I have zero doubt in my mind that there's going to be only 16 NRL clubs watching how he plays and wanting to sign him up for next season. But the the thing here for me is I think, I think the problem we have is that we're trying to have consistent views about a matter which has inconsistent rulings. And that's what makes this seem so absurd. Yeah, and I I think also, too, there's a... With everyone we've seen be involved in criminal activity and, and say they're guilty in the court and all that sort of stuff, and then they're... They're not just given a chance to come back they're utterly embraced by people within the game. At some point, you just got to throw your hands in the air and say, "Look, I'm not. I can't personally change the world by being pissed off at this every single time." And you can't help but be pissed off at it because it's fucking ridiculous. But what are you supposed to do? Like the game brings everyone back. Everyone, of course, it's going to bring Israel Folau back. Like, yeah. what did people think? He, he was going to be the exception. There's no exceptions. Everyone comes back. And exactly right. what, what can you do about it? Until so, one of us is running the fucking game, this shit's going to go on forever, and you'll get all the people that run the sport and run the clubs and stuff. They'll go to these morning teas. They'll pay the lip service. They'll do charity events and stuff. And then they'll turn around and sign some asshole that the rest of the community doesn't even want around. And they'll do it because he's got a good kicking game or whatever. You know, what are you supposed to do? It's just what happens in, in rugby league, and I'm I'm fucking I don't like it. I'm sick of it happening, but I can't change it, you know. And, and you just gotta you just gotta live with it, I guess. And it's not ideal, but you know, I, I don't run the fucking sport. It is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a new exactly. rugby league term, no one. It is what it is. Yeah, um, it really is. There was an interesting line here, completely unrelated. He mm-hmm. said that. Um, Gerald Ratner put out a statement weaker than a midi of Shandy. Um, George, George, just in future, mate, don't try and sound like an, an Aussie bloke who goes to the pub when you're not one. Just say that it's weaker than a George Clark opinion piece. Jeez. What would you have said it was weaker than, though? I would have said it's... Hmm. What would I have said it's weaker than? I would have said it's like... <laughs> it's, 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 it's weaker wicked. than it. It's weaker than an Adam Blair hit up. Oh jeez! So I was thinking along the lines: it's it's 
It's weaker than a frugal person's cordial pour. <laughs> <laughs> you know, someone says, oh, you want some cordial? Yeah. No, be nice, be nice change, and then you drink it, and you're like, what the fuck, man? Where's the cordial? Yeah, where's the fucking cordial? This is fucking water, man. you got to put that shit, read the label. It says, you know, one-third cordial, two-thirds water. Do you know when I was a little kid, like a real little kid, I used to drink the, the concentrated cordial straight, no water. That explains a lot. Fuck <laughs> you. I knew you were going to say that. I fucking knew you were going to say that. Uh, all right. Well, look, the next great piece we've got here, mm. which we'll put do a bit of analysis on, yeah. is Fox Sports have done a rating of every team's spine for 2020. Mm-hmm. And neither of us have looked through this, so we're going to no. sort of... Um, Agree, disagree, or mock as we see fit. Yeah. So the Melbourne Storm, uh, they got the spine of uh, what they've got. This is the spines they've predicted on here. So Ryan Pappenhausen, Cameron Munster, Jerome Hughes, and Cameron Smith, they've given that a B plus. Yeah. I wouldn't give it a B plus, hey? I think Munster and Smith, great. Hughes is not a halfback. No. Pavanoisen, though, was very good. Yeah. I think you've got three out of four. You've got to be looking at least an A, like A minus to an A. See, yeah. I, I would call that, I think that's a B minus. Oh, I, I, I think last year a lot of people thought that this spine was going to be garbage. And, I mean, they won the minor premiership. Yeah, but that, like, when they brought Hughes in for Croft, they, I don't know why they went off Croft. But they went off him for whatever reason. And they looked like a completely different team with Hughes at halfback. And Hughes did as best a job as I think you could have expected from him. But I I just felt like it it killed their chances. I felt like it was a really big mistake. Obviously, Cameron Smith is an all-time great monster when he's on his game. He's one of the best five players in the game. Um, Pappenhausen, I want to see consistency from him this year. Um, but yeah, Hughes is, is, I mean, they, you know, there's a lot of teams with better halfbacks than him and I just can't, I would give him a B minus. I, I, I can't rate a team that's got, I consider it as no halfback. I think Hughes is only wearing that jumper purely to fill a spot in the side, but he's not actually the halfback. I think Cameron Smith's the halfback nowadays. Brandon Smith, when he comes on the field, which is usually after about 20 minutes, mm. he does the hooking work. Cameron Smith's playing mostly first receiver, and Jerome Hughes is just a like a second fullback. He's just a ball runner out the back. Yeah, and look, uh, you're right, but then part of me thinks, just get a fucking halfback. <laughs> true, true. Well, just put Cameron Smith there. Just be done with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And look, I think if you say you had Cameron Smith there at halfback, and uh, Brandon Smith at hooker, I mean that's that's a gun spine right there. Yeah. Uh, but and I, I think Cameron Smith, you know, give him a, a a month of footy. He's one of the better halfbacks in the game. But yeah, I, I, as it is there, it, the way they've listed it, I don't like it, and I don't think that I feel as so if they start the season with that spine, by mid-season it will 
be different because I feel like Craig Bellamy will be like, this isn't working. All right, well, let's compare this one then because it's mm-hmm. a very similar issue, I guess, mm-hmm. with the Roosters one. Okay. Roosters spine of James Tedesco, Luke Keery, Kyle Flanagan, and Jake Friend. And they've given this one an A. Now, why I say it's similar is because Kyle Flanagan's only played nine NRL games yeah. at halfback. Um, Jerome Hughes has probably played a few more at halfback, but neither of them are genuinely experienced NRL halves. Yeah. Yet the Storm are rated as a worse spine. I Look, I think Friend... Man, I wonder how many games he's going to play this year. I feel like his body is just about giving up on him, unfortunately. Um, and, I and I, I was thinking we do a comparison. Like Cameron Smith would be better than Jake Friend. I think we can all agree on that. One hundred percent. Yeah. Jerome Hughes versus Kyle Flanagan. Who would you rather have? I would take Kyle Flanagan every day. Cameron Munster and Luke Keary. I'd probably take Munster for the fact that he doesn't have the injury problems Kiri can have. Exactly. Papenhuisen versus Tedesco. Yeah, and that's Tedesco. Tedesco. Easy. So that's two of two from each side, and yet yeah. See, this I don't see how those two spines can be considered to be drastically different as much as what their rating suggests on there. Yeah, I would say, look, I'd say the Roosters is an A, and the Storm would be an A minus. Okay, so I I like the Roosters' spine. I I think I like it overall for balance and everything than the Storms. The I feel as though the weak part is Jake Friend, and I, I really like Kyle Flanagan. I know you do too. I know he doesn't have experience, but I feel as though he's going to be completely fine, and I feel as though. Uh, him and Kiri are going to be, work really well together. It's just a feeling I've got about Flanagan. I feel as though because his his dad is a coach, um, I, I just feel as though that's something extra for him to have. And I, like I, I really like it. I really like the balance. I do think that that rooster spine overall is is better than the storm one. No, I agree. It's better. Mm. I think it's a little bit better. I don't. I wouldn't say it's immensely better. Yeah. Um, now they've got the Rabbitohs spine of Latrell Mitchell, Cody Walker, Adam Reynolds, and Damian Cook, and they've given that an A as well. And problem here, I guess, is Latrell Mitchell hasn't played much fullback, and Cody yeah. Walker went missing hugely last year. Yeah. Um, Adam Reynolds is a bit injury prone. And Damien Cook had a quieter year last year than he did the year before. Yeah, the thing about these spines, and look, I think Mitchell's going to be absolutely incredible at fullback. I really do. Likewise. Yeah, so I like I look at, at, at Mitchell as being a top-of-the-line fullback straight away, straight out the gate. If this, when they're all on song, I think this could be the best spine in the game. But... Them all being on song, what are the chances of that? Like, I've got no problems with Cook and and Latrell. I think that they they're going to perform pretty consistently. Reynolds, as soon as he looks like he's getting on a roll, he gets injured. And Cody Walker started last year, absolutely murdering other teams. Yep. 
and then Origin rolled around and he was either completely missing or just was okay for the rest of the year. Yeah, that's my problem is Walker did go missing big time. Mm. Mm. So I'm I'm putting them as an A minus alongside the storm. Just because yeah, of the, say, the consistency side of things. Okay, so I would have them above the Storm, uh, but below the Roosters at this stage. Alrighty, this is yeah. good. We're we're not we're not agreeing. No, <laughs> I think I think we're going to agree on this next one though. Yeah, uh, the Raiders mm-hmm. predicted spine of Chance Nickel Clockstad, Jack White, and George Williams, the Slinger, and Josh Hodgson, and they've given it an A plus. Well, I mean, you know, Chance Nickel Clogstad, like, he was amazing last year. I loved watching him play last year. Yep. From the very first game, it was great. Um, Whiten turned into a beast. That was fantastic to see him playing. I don't rate Josh Hodgson. I know that other people do. I don't rate him. Uh, and I think having an English halfback is just a recipe for absolute disaster. Yeah, I'm. It's been a while since we've had a successful English halfback in Australia, mm-hmm. and I mean, I'd have to go back to the likes of Ellery Hanley, who was more of a five eighth and a lock. Um, mm-hmm. Andy Gregory, um, I suppose Gareth Widdop to some extent, although I think most of his success came when he was at fullback more than anything else. I think if you go pure halfback, that did it consistently, and you could rely on him. I, I think it's Tommy Bishop. You've kind of got to go back that far. I mean, there's yeah. Gary Schofield as well, but again, we're looking at sixes more than sevens. Yeah. Tommy Bishop was probably the last genuine seven who um, was consistently brilliant. I mean, he took a, a pretty bad uh, Cronulla side and got him into a grand final. Mm-hmm. That's no mean feat. So... George's man, he's. I think he's going to struggle with the speed of the game more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the number of huge men that are going to be running at him every week. Like he, you're you're able to hide a little bit more in the English game, but there's no hiding in in the NRL because pretty much every team has game plans designed around running second rowers and props at at little halves. And I I'll, think he's going to get uh, so much traffic running at him. I put this to you. Would you swap, if you were any of the other 15 clubs, would you swap that their halfback for George Williams? Like, there's there's not another halfback. Maybe, maybe Melbourne. I would maybe. take over George Williams every day of the week. Titans? Well, if the halfback turns up, decides he wants to play this year, <laughs> yeah, I, I think would that's take one thing. That's one thing you can give Williams is that he will turn up. Yeah, he'll turn up. He'll turn um, up. Warriors. Who's a Warriors halfback? There you go. <laughs> you know what they've got? Uh, what's that bloke's name? And I kept on getting his name mixed up. I got it back to front, and they screwed him around. They moved him all over the place. Oh yeah, yeah. he did. He did play well. Yeah, um, he'll, he'll probably be on the list coming up. I liked him. I thought he was a good player. They'd be the ones, though, where I think you'd look at him and go, eh, maybe, maybe. But, yeah, I, I do get your point. 
Um, I'm I don't mind Josh Hodgson, but I think I think it's overstated how much uh, impact he has for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. So I did a bit of re- bit of stats research on this because I thought maybe the Raiders have a, an absolutely atrocious win record when he doesn't play. Yeah. Turns out that they've won something like 50, 54 or 56% of games when he's played and 50% when he hasn't. Oh, wow. So it's pretty close. It's not much different. Um, so I think he does provide good direction for the forwards, mm-hmm. but... Uh, yeah, I, I, I do think he's a bit overrated. I do think he's a good player. I just think he's a bit overrated. So I, I wouldn't give them an A plus. I'd be giving them a B plus. Yeah, I think that. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's half a spine for me. I, I'd yeah. probably give them a. I'd give them. I don't know. Probably a. I think I'd give them a C minus. To be honest with you, they don't have a halfback. Alrighty. This one's going to be fun. <laughs> Next one is Parramatta. Oh, man. <laughs> Gutherson, Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses, Reed Mahoney, or Reed Money, as, as people want to call it. Um, he's changed it to Money now. Must be. Uh, they've okay. given him a rating of B. Okay. Who's their first grade spine, though? <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. First I mean, of all, um, Mitch Moses... If he can put together two consistently good seasons in a row, that would be interesting to see. It would, yeah. Yeah. I think um, Rick Moni did come on towards the end of the year. I know no. we were both thought he was overrated earlier on, but I think towards the end he did some handy little things there. He did He did start to get comfortable with his role and, and really fill into that, that role very well. Um, he's definitely a good nine there. There's no doubt about that. I, I do rate him as a genuine nine now. I think... We were a bit critical because he was being put forward as a genuine hooking option for New South Wales at the start of last year, and we just went, "I haven't seen any of that yet." Yeah, yeah, definitely, and you know, and like he's shown he showed signs, which is good. That's great. He's very young still, uh, and it's something you can build upon. Dylan Brown. A little bit similar. Like there was, I can't even remember what game it was, but there was one game where he just he just put on a great performance. Probably um, against the Tigers. Might have been. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, no, he he does look the goods. Yeah, he like I'm I'm excited to see how he plays this year. I feel like he could jump up quite a high to a higher level. Um, last year he was. He played like a rookie, and that's fine because that's basically what he was. Um, and I, I expect to see more consistency out of him this year to be physically more up with the contest. And I, I want to see more games where he does just put one on the opposition. Um, and then, you know, if the Eels could get a fullback, that would be great. A first grade fullback, I'd love to see how they'd go. Where would Clint Gutherson play? Because, mate, I mean, he's, he's, he's King Gutho. He's got to be in there somewhere. He'd have to be. Who's their other winger? They've got Ferguson. Who's the other winger? Oh, they've got Sevo. He's not on the wing. Um, man, I, I just don't have a place for him in the team. Halfback, maybe. No, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather Mitchell Moses, eh? <laughs> 
I like the, in maybe this, maybe you could do a Kirk Gillian just captain from the bench. Maybe hey, just what, be what, Mr. Super Sub. What what rating would you give that eel spine? Ooh, uh, I would give that eel spine a I don't know, probably a C, a C. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be fair to them. I'm going to give them a B minus. Okay. I'm ready it, 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 like of all of the players in that spine, though, who's the one that you least worry about in attack? Um, I probably worry least about Gutherson. Excellent. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it just—he's not a real strong ball returner, and he just sort of gets a little bit too sideways when he's running with the ball in hand when they're in a good attacking position. And so he's just easy to defend. Yeah, and look, to be fair, he does have the perfect wingers for a fullback like that that doesn't like to run forward at all with the ball. Yeah. Um, so that helps Parramatta. But, man, can you imagine if they had just a a, a big, hard-charging fullback? They'd be rotten to play against. They would be. They really would be. Um, manly. Hmm. Predicted spine of Tom Trebojevic, Dylan Walker, Daly Cherry Evans, and uh, well, it says he Manasseh Finu, but I think it might be it might become Danny Levi. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, they've given that one with Finu a B plus. Uh, see, I think any any spine that's got DCE the way he played last year and Tom Trebojevic and is already looking at being better than a B plus because those two were phenomenal last year and. Tom could stay fit for a fucking change. Oh. Uh, they will be a top five team without a doubt. Definitely, definitely. Um, I, I, you know, and I like the addition of Levi as well into that team. Uh, Dylan Walker, I feel as though he's a stopgap measure until they find a, a five-eighth to go alongside with um, Cherry Evans. Um, he's the weak link, he, he, and yeah, I would I say think- that with Tom Trebojevic being... I mean, he's so injury-prone. It's so terrible. Mm. I think Dylan Walker's a genuine centre. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we're waiting for Sully to go to sleep in his car one night so Walker can go back to centre. <laughs> and uh, then they can bring in Cade Cust to play at 5-8 at because I think he's, he's probably the future six for the club. I definitely want to see... McNuggets keep rising in his <laughs> career, so I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> so, uh, what would you give the Seagulls' spine? It's really hard because you know Tommy Turbo there at the back. He might be one of the the best game breakers in you know in the entire world, but is he going to play you know ten games for them this year? I mean, would you would you bet money that he would play more than ten games? I'd be starting to worry about about him for ten plus games. Yeah, it's it's a tough one to take. I mean, sure, yeah, his and, body's gonna his body's gonna get a bit hardened up and and not be so injury prone in the next few years. Surely, it has to. It simply has to. And with that in mind, um, the rating old the rate just as they are, I I think that B plus is a pretty good marker for them. But they've also got the potential to be a, a C plus because of the injury concerns 
Yeah. And I, as I said, I think Dylan Walker, if if they've got a, a five eight there at Manly in the lower grades who has a few good games, I'd like to see them into the side instead of Dylan Walker. Yeah, I'm thinking. For me, they're they're an interesting spine. They can they can be an A spine, they can be a C spine. Um, yeah, I know. I said that you know, DC and Tommy Dravoich means that they're a B plus already. Um, I don't think Walker adds anything to them. Danny Levi, well, he's not a he's not an attacking genius or anything like that, but he's a very solid sort of player and mm-hmm. he's pretty solid defensively as well. So, yeah, I think B plus is is pretty much spot on there. Yeah, when he goes to church, he just takes a Bible. That's always a good thing. Yeah, that helps. Yeah. Um, shark spine. I don't agree with the one that picked here, but here we go. Oh, man, Jesus. Matt Moylan, Sean Johnson, Chad Townsend, Blake Braley, and they've given them a B. And they said the strength is Matt Moylan and Sean Johnson. What the fuck? And the weakness is Matt Moylan and Sean Johnson. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look. For starters... I don't think Matt Moylan is in the Sharks 17. I don't have him in the 17 either. I've got Dugan at fullback, and if Dugan's not fit, then I've got um, William Kennedy or um, Josh Morris there. Yep, I, I agree 100%. And, like, Sean Johnson, I mean, last year, it sucked for him because he, he was the main man at the Warriors and then they basically get to the end of the year and they're like, we don't want you anymore. And so now he's without a club. He can't. He doesn't have too many options. He manages to get himself to the Sharks. Got a couple of injuries. His goal kicking wasn't working for him. And, and But at some point, he, he's, he is the player that he is. And on going on last year's form, I mean, he's, he's an inconsistent poor goal kicker who can't rely on because... He he's also injury prone, and I mean I I look at that spine there. You know, Braley's all right. Chad Townsend solid. Matt Moylan's, uh, uh, in my opinion, is just you don't pick him. And Sean Johnson, I'm looking for a replacement for him right now. If I'm the Sharks, yeah. Look, Sean Johnson did start to get better towards the end of the season. He's not where he should be. No, but. It at least started looking like he was starting to fit into the game plan that John Morris had there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I expect him to be, a, you know, have a better start this year and probably get better towards the end of the season. Um, Blake Braley, he's he's only a young kid. He's still got plenty of um, plenty of years ahead of him. He, he looks he looks to have um, plenty of uh, good attack in him. Mm. And they're going to have Cameron King coming off the bench to fill in for him because I'm not sure he's, he can do a full 80 minutes yet. Um, but yeah, it's... I don't know. They've given him a B. The Sharks are an interesting side because they've always been able to survive and be successful mm-hmm. despite not having a great spine. And I think that will continue. They've got a bloody awesome forward pack still. So, what would you give them as a rating? That spine? Yeah. I'm thinking if Josh Dugan's in there instead of Moylan, I'd give it a C plus. With Matt Moylan there, I'd give it a C minus. So I would give that line up there that they've named with Matt Moylan a D minus. Harsh. Yeah. 
I know. I just, I, I've never seen what everybody else has seen in Moylan. He just looks like a, a one-trick pony, and sometimes it fires, and a lot of the times it doesn't. Yeah, look, he's he's had he do, he has had these weird moments where it's it's he he breaks games open, but I mean the, now they're going back a long time. I feel like, and mm. you know what you see from him now is more fucking it up, pretty much. You know, so uh, and and you can only go on his last season, really. Last few seasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the Broncos. So the spine they've got for them, for them is Jermaine Asako, Anthony Milford, Brody Croft, and Andrew McCulloch, and they've given that a C plus. Um, I think Andrew McCulloch will be lucky if he's starting in the nine jumper there. Yeah, I'd be shocked. I'd be and absolutely shocked. I think whether he's there or not, that's that's probably a B minus spine. I, I quite like Milford and Croft there. Asako the fullback's a good move. Yeah, so I think they're only a decent nine away from having a, a top quality spine. Yeah, I'd agree. I would say if they can sort out the hooking position, and they've got a, a few good youngsters there that they brought through last year, they didn't really settle on any of them, unfortunately. But I would say the same thing. That's a that's a good you know B minus and it, for potential to go up if they can sort out a replacement for McCullough because I think that. I think he's done, unfortunately. Yes. Oh, boy, Tigers. <laughs> um, oh, man. <laughs> predicted spine. Corey Thompson, Benji Marshall, Luke Brooks, Josh Reynolds, and they've given it a C. And sorry, Tigers fans, I'd give that. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be friendly. I'll give it an E+. Plus. An E+. Plus? Wow. I like the experience. 666 games. Yeah, look, you've got a, a small winger at fullback and a small five-eighth at hooker. Um, yeah. I, I, look, I don't think Josh Reynolds is going to play for at least the start of the season. I'd be, I, I, I feel like this is the problem. Is even if he does miss the start of the season over all that crap that's going on, mm. they're talking about the next cab off the rank to play at hooker is going to be Moses and who also has barely played there. Yeah. And uh, then after that, it's going to be Billy Walters, who hasn't... I don't think he's played an NRL game there yet. It's just... There's there's no hooking option there at all. Um, there's talk that Adam Dewey may slot straight in a fullback. And, you know, he's... Mm, I don't know. He's probably a slightly better version than Corey Thompson. I, I don't really know. And, and, like, there's things that Corey Thompson does in terms of his enthusiasm and stuff that uh, you're not going to get out of Dewey too. Like Exactly. Exactly. You know? I'm, not, I'm not hating on Corey Thompson. I, I like the fact that he's one of those blokes who you'll get a solid, consistent performance from every week. That's what yeah. you, you need those reliable players like that. But I don't, I don't want reliable players like that who give you reliable, consistent, solid in your mm. spine, you want game breakers in the spine, and I don't see Corey Thompson as a game breaker. I see him as a very good finisher on the wing. You know, his place is playing in fullback in Super League. He'd be a really good fullback in Super League. Um, and the the crazy thing is, like, fullbacks are everywhere in the NRL. 
Like, they're not hard to find. Mm. Um, you know, how many wingers would do good at fullback? How many centers would do good at fullback? It's just one of those positions where if you've got a talented player, they, some of them are really well suited to just put them back there and see what they do. Um, the, the fact that they, they just don't have a hooker at all is a massive problem. And as you say, Corey Thompson as the fullback, you know, I, I feel like he's a reserve grader. Um, I'd probably rate them, and I, I friggin' love Benji Marshall. This sucks. I think I'd rate them a D. I yeah, th- you know what? I, I'm going <clears> to <throat> I've got to change it. They're a, man, I think they're an E. I think you're right. Yeah, I think. They're an E. They've got a f- found, there's no hooker. As, as I said before, the thing I've found in the past is Brooks needs a good nine. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's not just getting good ball service from the nine, but also a nine who can do a bit of creative work because it takes just that little bit of pressure off Brooks as well. Um, he's not going to get that with Josh Reynolds at hooker. He's not gonna, now, definitely not going to get it with Moses and by there. Have they got Grant sorted out on that loan deal yet? Uh, it's still up in the air, I believe. Yeah, see, oh, man, I feel like I'd be I'd be shocked if it come through. Hey, likewise, if it did come through, then they would go from a, from an E minus up to a D instantly. Yes, yeah, so, see, I would if they got a hooker, I would say that they go from an E to a a, a D plus, and and if they get a a proper first grade fullback. That has a chance to jump right up really quickly. Oh, yeah. But, you know. The halves are very solid. Yeah, just, oh, no problems with the halves. It's just everything else around it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, if you just take into account the hook out, the fullback, could yeah. use a couple of wingers, maybe some centers. And... Uh, moving on to Penrith. Yes. Uh, they plus next. Spine of... <laughs> Dylan Edwards, Jerome Lua, Nathan Cleary, and Appy Corasau, and they've given them a C plus. Um, am I being, am I being a homer here and saying why the fuck is that only a C plus? Uh, I am, aren't I? Yeah, look, I think, I, I, I don't know, I, I'm not convinced on Dylan Edwards as a fullback. I, I, I don't think he is. I think that he's a, I. Uh, he's not a first grade fullback. Put it that way. No, I think he's a very good winger. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerome Luai. See, the problem I've got with that house pairing is Nathan Cleary worked really well with experienced five eight next to him, mm-hmm. and now he's going to be the most experienced half in that house combination. Yep. And I don't know how that dynamic's going to work. Yeah, and look that. I, I get that. The problem I would have with it, the whole thing, is that you see Nathan Cleary da- down and you say, how much are you getting paid? Fucking work it out, you know? And unfortunately, that's not how it works. I've been ignorant in saying that. Um, Jerome Luai, I think he's one of those players that can add a little bit of an X factor around the halves, which is handy. And they've got like about two or three like five eights they can bring in who are all about as good as each other. They're all very young though. Um, 
Coruscant is a is a pretty handy addition. But yeah, he's pretty handy. I, I'm 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 okay with him being there. Yeah, yeah, and, and like you know, I know some people have talked him up like he's a bloody world beater. It's a, a little bit strange, but he's just they don't have to worry about their hooker position at the moment. No. I, I do worry about the fullback position. I think Dylan Edwards last year, apart from having a couple of games where he, he just descended into a shocker, unfortunately, I think that um, he's not the f- sort of fullback that worries anyone when he runs the ball back. And I think that that's, I mean, that's how he set starts for the most part. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's a big problem. That's a real big problem. And look, I, I thought that when he come onto the scene, he, he played really well, but I I haven't seen that development as a player at fullback. And I also think that physically, he just kept looking like a player that was physically outmatched in the NRL, unfortunately. And that worries me too. Mm. So what's your rating for them? Uh, I, I reckon we're going to be wildly different here. <laughs> I, I agree, yeah. I, I think I probably rate... I've got no problems with Cleary. People bag Cleary and they say, oh, I should be doing this, that and the other. I've never had any problems with how Cleary plays. I think people expect more from him than um, they really should be. I would say that, I would say that uh, this one, I'd say, oh man, (laughs) this sucks. Tell you what. (laughs) I'll, I'll do mine then to give you okay, a gauge. Go I'm going to give him yeah. a C minus. You know what sucks is that I looked at that rating to start with and I was like, man, that's harsh. And in my head, I'm like, it, they nailed it, C plus. Yeah. I, Which kind of makes sense. As I said, I think the, the fact that Cleary is so young, yet possibly yeah. the most experienced player in that spine, is something yeah. that is a worry. Um, and it's not a criticism of him. I think he'll be fine. It just it's more talking about the players around him. I guess in that spine. I get, I no, I say this for, and I know we we both agree on this. None of it matters if their forwards are as weak and as pushy as they were. If they're because Coruscant's got the ability to get out the dummy half and really cause some problems. If they if they can have some forwards with some fucking balls and a heart, then uh, like then Cleary will have the ability to do a few things. Then, you know, Luai is one of those players. You don't want to give him any space, that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, I guess a lot of it relies on their forwards. And I've got no faith in the Panthers' forwards until they do something to give them, you know, that proves that they're not the worst pack in the comp. Well, you know, they've got Bill Kick out, so they're not the worst. Yeah, and he's a he plays a low lone hand, you know. He does, he does. So it's fucking ridiculous. Love that beast though. He's a fucking awesome. Yeah, oh, he's 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 a monster. I love watching him play. Damn, he's good. Oh yeah. All right, we're into the Knights here. They've got the spine of Kalen Ponga, Kurt Mann, Mitchell Pearce, and Jaden Braley, and they've given him a B plus. And uh, I've got to say. Wow, that that's a high rating. Yeah, all of the players there, and I I know I rate him a fair bit higher than you do. I think Kalen Ponga is is a special player, and I think that he, 
a lot of times has to play a lone hand because Mitchell Pierce goes MIA anytime somebody fucking an opposition doesn't roll over and die. Um, and Kalen Pong is left to sort of be the everything man. I, I'd give them a man. I'd give them a D. And that's once again Kalen Ponga dragging them to a fucking D. Oh, I'm going to be a bit more uh, generous. I'm going to give them a C because I think they've got they've upgraded hooker. Jaden Browning's a very solid nine, mm-hmm. um, but that halves. Oh man, man and Pierce. Yeah. Ah, oh. like I just I don't. It doesn't doesn't excite me. No, no. I you know I've never seen anything from Kurt Mann that I've been like, oh, you know, and and Pierce is Pierce. We know exactly what Pierce is going to give you, and we know what he's not going to give you. So, you know, um, it'll be interesting to see how they go this year. I think they'll be better overall as a team, but I wonder wonder at what point, if you're, because they've got a new coach, I wonder if Pierce... Does a, has a Pierce season? If he says, "Man, I can't do it with Pierce," we got to give him that tap on the shoulder. Yeah, I think I think he's very close to having a bad season. Yeah, I think he said he's had two pretty solid years at the Knights. I think he's probably due a bad one. And like he ended last year really bad, like mm. really really bad. Um, he's a bad season away from being Salford's halfback, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, on to the <laughs> dogs. I'm not arguing with that at all. <laughs> on to the dogs, and they've got their spine of uh, Dallin Matani Zelezniak, Jack Cogger, Lachlan Lewis, and Sione Katoa. Um, they've given him a C. Uh, the thing that's interesting there is Jeremy Marshall King played for Hooker for pretty much all of last year and was pretty good. So I'm surprised that they've dropped him for Katoa. Um, yeah. But it's a shame they don't have Foran because they'd be like you chuck Foran in there, even alongside Lachlan Lewis. Um, and that's a that's a different beast, man. It is. It is. It's a real shame. I think I think I'm going to give him a, a D plus. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I I think DWZ. Um, you know, I, I wasn't that impressed with how he played once he got to the Bulldogs, but at the same time, a bloody weird season for him. So it, you can understand that he's he, he needed time to settle in. I think yeah. that when he's on song, he's a, I mean, he's a monster. He's one of those players that, man, I'd love to have him back at Penrith playing fullback. He's one of those players that can just monster a team from fullback. Um, Cogger. You know, I think Lewis is, and it's a shame that he didn't have the full season last year in first grade because I, I really liked some of the things Lewis did as a halfback. So I hope that he keeps improving because if he keeps improving, he could be one of those plays you could build a club around potentially. Like oh, that's yeah. how highly I rate him. When he when he did come back into the side, they. They won five of seven games. Mm. Um, he had a stunning end of the year. So, with any luck, he keeps that form going because I, I think, yeah, he's he's a genuine, a genuine star. He's going to be their their 
halfback for as long as they want him. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the thing I liked about him was he would do things that were – it was like an old-fashioned halfback. It was like a little bit rude, you know? Mm. He'd uh, out of nowhere he'd just take on the line and do stuff like that and just do the unexpected, and I love that about him. So I, the thing I hope that he does this season more than anything is I hope that physically – he, he's he's ready for the first grade season, a whole first grade season. If yeah. I could give him anything, it would be that. Likewise, I think that's uh, you nailed it pretty well there. What what rating would you give him? Uh, I think I gave them the same one you did, which was oh, that's right. D, D plus. Yeah. Okay. Our Warriors, they've got Roger Tuivasa-Shek, Blake Green, Channel Harris-Tavita, and Wade Egan, and they've given him a B. Man. I mean, uh, Roger Chilvasashek is one of the top three players in the world and has been for, man, it's been a, a while now, hey? Yeah. Um, I don't think Blake Green's a first grader. I think Chanel Harris-DeVita is, was really, really stuffed around last year. They should have put him in at halfback and left him there and said, learn it, you know? I yeah. couldn't believe what they were doing. And he was coming off the bench. I mean, there was one game where... I think he came off the bench and he played like in the back row and he yeah. fucking played well. Oh yeah. He's, he's an absolute gem, that kid. Mm. Um, Wade Egan is um, a very good hooker. I think he's a good, good addition to the side there. Um, it's interesting that uh, Cody Nicarima has been pushed out of the side there. I'd probably put him at six out of black green, to be honest. Yeah, I think I would too. Although I think Nicarima is a hooker now. I think that... Um, Do you think he's better than Wade Egan? They're See, pretty the thing, I, 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 I think Nick Aroma would be better than Blake Green. I, I Yeah, look, I agree with you that you could do that straight swap and he'd be better than Green. Um, but I'd, I also think he doesn't give you much of anything as well in that role. Um, he's at least going to be, you know, not too bad defensively. I think e- Egan and him are very close, and you know they'll be a good tandem to have. Hopefully, you know, Steve Kearney uses them that way. Um, they need to replace Blake Green. He he's just, I think he's another player that. Unfortunately, is probably done. He's a, he should go to Super League. He'd be great over there. But um, how, how do you rate this team? Because, like, RTS is crazy good. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm thinking I might give them a uh, a, a solid C. Yeah, I, I think... I think a C plus, but I, I think that... I think I'm a little bit higher on Harris Tavita than most people are. So, and I think that's what gives it that extra plus from me. Um, and the rest is just Roger Chulvasishek, to be honest. Who's, I mean, he's he's a freak. He's so he much is. fun to watch play. Cowboys. Their spine is Valentine Holmes, Jake Clifford, Michael Morgan, and Jake Granville, and they've given him a B plus. It's an interesting one, hey? Mm. I mean, Valentine Holmes, I think, is going to be... He's going to be so much fun to watch at fullback. 
Um, I think he's going to take a little bit of time to get back into it, though, but he'll be fine pretty quickly. Um, Clifford had some moments, but I feel like he he needs another season. The one that scares me the most is Michael Morgan. Yeah, like he had, he had two or three really, really strong seasons there. And one of them was that year when they made the grand final without Thurston in the side. And you just, when that season came through, you went, Morgan's, he's made it. He's now got control of this team. He's now a genuine half. Mm-hmm. And then the follow-up year was just meh. Yeah, and the other thing like about last season is he had a couple of, uh, I think it was head knocks from memory. Mm. And they were the sort of head knocks that, yeah, yeah, like, okay, this is, this is a problem, you know. Um, Glanville is, is solid, nothing special, I don't think. But yeah, I, I, because so much really relies on Morgan to, perform at his very best for this Cowboys spine to, to do its thing. Um, the thought that he might be coming injury prone, even if it is from head knocks, which is kind of, it feels weird to say that head knocks are being injury prone, but it is. Mm. Um, that really, really worries me. That really worries me. I'd probably give this one a C plus. Hey, I'm I'm thinking of B minus, so only slightly better. I think Holmes is going to be a brilliant addition there, mm-hmm. um, and he'll be running off Morgan and making him look a lot better than he is. And the thing is, too, I guess that like they're playing behind a, a bloody good pack, even if you just go by Talmalolo and you know whoever else. Um, so that that's going to help them, but. I feel as though they need more out of Dami Half than Granville gives them. Hey, they could have, they would. Can you imagine if they'd got Coruscant? Yeah, that, that would have been it. perfect. That would have been brilliant. Mm. Um, onto the Dragons, and their spine, the previous spine, is Zach Lomax, Corey Norman, Ben Hunt, and Cameron McInnes. It's not uh, bad. Huh? It's it's not too bad. Mm. Um. They've also picked up Isaac Luke. It's a pretty so, handy um, hooker to have sitting on the bench. So, yeah. I'm, I'm going to give... You know, Zach Lomax is probably the only weak point in there at fullback, and he's not mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's bad. It's just I don't think he's played much there. But um, I'd probably give him a C-plus to a B-minus, somewhere around there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I really... I think... I think that they got stuffed around so much. I think they've been so poorly coached. I like the balance of their spine. I really do. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they check out a few of the players that they could play at fullback. I, I, I'd kind of like to see Sailor giving a bit of a go at fullback as well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like it's, it's a pretty good spine. The problem is they're badly coached. That's what it all comes down to. They had some games last year where Norman and Hunt were amazing, like flat-out amazing. It's a real shame. It's a real shame that... Yeah, McGregor will find a way to completely screw this side up. He's got a brilliant forward pack and a brilliant spine, and he'll still find a way to make sure they lose a lot more games than they win because he's just an absolute freaking potato. Yeah, I, yeah. How, like, how'd he fuck it up so badly? 
gifted a side like that, that solid, that strong across the park, and yeah. ran second last. You numpty. It's incredible. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even think Matthew Elliott could go that poorly. Well, at I, don't least think, the... I don't think Jason Taylor could be that bad. I reckon and Jason I, we know Taylor... that because Jason Taylor did do better with a worse squad. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say Jason Taylor. I reckon would have had this team in sixth place at least. Oh, Garth Brennan would have done better with him. <laughs> Jeez, Greggy, you suck. Um, I tell you, what, if you gave this side to Stephen Kearney. That'd be in tenth place, I reckon. <laughs> even Kearney could do better. Yeah, <laughs> and this is not frustrating. I'm not even a dragon fan. It frustrates me seeing a team that good across the park playing like just utter turnips. And it's not because of a lack of effort. It's because the moron coaching them is so clueless. And do you remember at the start of last year when we just started the podcast then and I was talking about how much I loved watching the Dragon style of play, like just that bash and bash the opposition. But it was like you knew it wasn't going to last because no team can do that for a whole season. No. And the problem was they had no plan B. Yeah. And so the, the bashing thing, instead of lasting 18 minutes, eventually just lasted 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. As like, what uh, do we do now? It's just terrible. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Flanagan can do for them as a uh, assistant real coach. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that works. Yeah. Um, finally, we've got the Titans, and their spine is AJ Brimson, Tyrone Roberts, um, Ash Taylor, and Nathan Peets. And on paper, that's a pretty good-looking spine. But <laughs> Ash Taylor... Wait, he, does he feel like playing this year? Uh, apparently he's become a dad and he's in a better headspace and some other stuff. I don't know. It, AJ Brimson is a genuinely genuinely quality player. He can play a fullbacker in the halves. Tyron Roberts is consistent, solid, reliable. And Nathan Peets is much the same. Very good player. And Ash Taylor, the million-dollar man at seven who you need to steer the team around, um, even at his best, is not that good. I don't see why he's being offered a million dollars a year. Well, like I'm just reading here, it said Ash Taylor's potential is so high that Matty Johns labelled him the best young halfback in the game. People need to stop listening to Matty Johns, let me tell you. Yeah, but, Matthew, uh, Matthew Johns is... Um, let's, let's say he's not very good when it comes to spotting talent. No. No. Uh, look, it, it, the best place for Tyrone Roberts, and I know this as a Panthers fan, because it took us a little while to work it out. You chuck him on the bench, and you you send him out there in game, and you don't give him a position. You just say, go out and play some footy. And he does, he, he literally creates magic. He's one of the very few players in the whole game that you can just chuck out in the field and, like, you could bring up a prop, you could bring off a winger, it doesn't matter. Just go out there and play footy. And he will do things that will break a game open. Yeah, are you uh, talking about Tyron Roberts or Tyron Peachy? No, Tyron Peachy I'm thinking of. Here. Oh, yeah, Tyron yeah. Is it. No, I agree yeah. with that. Peachy is an absolute freak. And yeah. I'd, 
I'd love to see him in the spine somewhere. I dare say he's probably going to be placed in, in the centres because they're very light on out there. Well, that, yeah. And that's the problem. Like, he's not a centre. Like, no. I think if you had to have him anywhere, you'd put him at 5'8", if you had to start him, right? But it's not the best place for him either. No. You do need him just, just roaming, doing whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. Uh, he's... I don't know what they're going to do with him. The other problem they've got, too, is is Bryce Cartwright. Because you know they're going to try and use him as a six again, and he just isn't. Uh, hopefully they don't. I don't think he's a first grader. I don't think he's nah. close to being a first grader. Yeah, what surprises me is he had that one great year at the Panthers where he was on the verge of origin selection. Mm-hmm. And now he's struggling to get selected in the wooden spooner side. Yeah, it's pretty crazy how quickly he fell off man and he was so close and you kind of looked at him and some of the other young players that new south wales have built around since and he was one of them like he mm. was literally one of them it was like yeah him and and mitchell come through and you know cleary and all these players and i i can't believe how badly he's playing i can't think of too many players that have fallen off that hard that quickly and, like, the attempts at in defence were embarrassing. Disgraceful. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Subpar. Like, he just didn't care. Yeah. Um, do you think Justin Holbrook is going to be able to come along and fix up that attitude around the club? I find it really hard to think he's the dude to do it, hey? Yeah, I'm, I think what they needed was... An old stern head, someone like a, a a Brian Smith or a Tim Sheens to just kick a lot of pants in. Yeah, I think they needed somebody who the players didn't like, um, who was willing to get rid of everyone, who was willing to say, "I'm not taking this job unless Malmaning is gone." And I don't think they've got that. I think there's too much of. Um, there's, there's too much there for that was there last season. Yeah, there's been next to no changes to the squad whatsoever. Yeah. Like they've brought in hardly anyone and they've, they've lost a few players. But yeah, the squad itself is barely changed. And we talked about it last year. Like, talent-wise, they weren't the worst team in the league. They become the worst team in the league because they didn't care at all. They yeah, just didn't no effort. win. No. Um, and I, to turn that around with... Everyone's the same except the coach. I, I just don't see how you do that, unfortunately. I agree. Um, so, God, what rating would we give him? I'm thinking of giving that spine probably a D minus. Uh, Only because uh, I think that the halfback needs to be needs to be pretty solid to get at a good score, and I I don't rate Ash Taylor one iota. Well, there's nothing to rate him on. He didn't play. <laughs> no, but even when he has played, like yeah, you I, see, you see sloppy, like really dumb errors from him. Yeah, um, I've never seen whatever it is, Matty Johns fucking saw. Like I never saw it. If if I've got a million dollars and I've got to give it to one of two players, and one's Ash Taylor, the other one's Moses and Buy, then I'm giving it to Moses and Buy. Yeah, I th- <laughs> fuck, the Tigers almost did, man. Fuck. <laughs> uh, 
See, I, I'm thinking how outrageous that would be, and it's like, yeah, he's only on 900,000. I agree. I think Moses and Byers are going to do more for a team than Ash Taylorwood. I'm giving them an F. When your halfback doesn't want to play and he's on a million bucks a year, go fuck yourself. You get an F. <laughs> so at least the Tigers are better than one team then. Yeah, well, you know. And I love Benji. Yeah, Benji's phenomenal. I had to fight against giving them like a B plus because Benji Marshall's like just amazing. <laughs> He's brilliant, mate. We'll, I'll be we'll be showing these highlights real for for years. Fuck yeah! People still be going, wow. If people could step like that, no, people couldn't. Only Benji could. Just Benji. The Benji Marshall step. There's not many, too many, like uh, moves in the game that are named after a player. Nah, exactly. Guy's a freak. Mm. Well, that's been a big episode. Yeah, that has been. And we've got a couple of emails. Do you reckon we should... Should we do them now or should we wait? Nah, do it now. I say rip in now. Okay, okay. So the first one... Let me find it. i got so many emails lately. Where is... Okay. The first one... I'm just loading it up. I'm not stalling at all. No, no, you wouldn't stall. No, it's not my style, all right? Not your go. Was from, what was his name? He wanted us to call him something. Damn it. Ah, FC Monkey, right? (laughs) Now, he, remember we were talking about the Moroccan rugby league and how it was a myth and that, like, Never, never, no one's ever seen them play. No one's yep. ever seen a Moroccan player. FC Monkey on Twitter has actually, he remembered a Moroccan player. So I'm going to read this out. Now, the Moroccan player's name was Hussein Mbaki. Oh, yes, I know the name. Okay, all right. Yeah. Moroc- he, was, he was Moroccan, eh? So he said, FC Monkey said, I remember seeing Hussein Mbaki play for Hull FC in the 1980s. He played on the wing. And was quite quick, not a lot of heart, but what winged, what wingers have heart, you know. Uh, he says he really enjoys the podcast, boys, and to give out a, sh- a shout-out to FC Monkey, named after a guy in a monkey suit that jumped the barrier at the old Wembley Stadium at halftime to march behind the Coldstream Guards band in 1982 when Hull of uh, and Widness drew the... Uh, Challenge Cup final, 18 all. So Hull FC FC ended up winning the replay because we're just, you know, the bottle throwers are just better than than the chemics. But, um, yeah, how about that? That's brilliant. Hussein Mbaki. Have you got his stats there? I do have his stats here. Well, I've got some of his stats here anyway. Okay. Uh, How many for? I don't know. He played for Fulham, Warrington, Oldham and Hull FC. Oh, um, that's just in the the top to, top grade. Yeah, that's all we've got here at the moment. Forty five tries in you know, six seasons at, at top level. That's not bad. Uh, he's a pretty solid player. He, he was around for a while. Yeah, it's not bad for Moroccan. I yeah. I hear that in the Moroccan league, and you got to count them as first grade games. According to Bombs, he played seven hundred and eighty games. Possible. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not basing that on any stats. I'm just saying, could have. Prove yeah. them wrong. They have pretty long seasons, too. 
Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, noted for their long seasons in Morocco. Oh, I think the I think the average season is about three hundred games. Yeah, they yeah. just take they just take December off. Big league as well, big. Yeah. lots of teams. One one big division. Absolutely, one hundred and fifty teams in that division. Big fan. I'm pretty sure Casablanca is in Morocco. Yeah, it's in their competition. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, if it's not in Morocco, it's a fucking expansion side. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and who's, what about the second email you got there? Yeah, I got another email from uh, Mofo Stormfan. Oh, talking, yes. to him, talking to him earlier about uh, getting his hands on a on a lightsaber, an actual lightsaber. Um, he said, hi, guys. First off, love the show. Blah, blah. Compliment without sounding cliche or cheesy. Right now... Right, now that's done, on to the reason I'm actually emailing. So I was chatting to Freaky earlier, and for shits and giggles, I threw a few questions at him. I thought it would be fun for us all to get to know you a little bit better. So he's got top 10 questions to ask us. Okay. So the first question, and we'll both answer these. Favourite musician slash artist slash band? I've got heaps. Yeah, I, I, I think overall... I really like listening to Black Sabbath. I know it's a bit cliche, but I really like their music. Um, I went to heaps of stuff. Uh, let's see. Metallica, Queen. Um, uh, I'll, I'll stick with those two for now. They're, I think they're the two main ones. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I like all of the basically any old rock. I like a lot of... Uh, of um, like rap from the 80s and 90s as well. Nice. Before everyone just started talking about their chains and shit. Yeah, like, like yeah, I like 80s rap. Nice. Um, yeah. So there we go. Um, favorite movie. What's your favorite movie? Die Hard. Yeah. Mine's, mine is um, Avengers Endgame. There we go. I think we all knew uh, what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's one of the three movies you've ever seen. <laughs> oh shit uh your first car um it was one of those little matchbox ones turn it up come on what was your first real car i've, I've never had one. Oh really oh uh. oh wow that's interesting there you go far out uh <laughs> you gotta get you know what let's let's convince the missus to get your Mustang. <laughs> Let's no, no. Tell. I've got something no. better. I want what? Nathan's bike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll fix the crank on that bitch. I'll make it work. You mean Mrs. Nathan's bike. <laughs> Mr. And Mrs. Nathan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my first car was, uh, I'm trying to think of what year it was. I'm pretty sure it was a 1990 red ford falcon and it had a, a lpg gas conversion on it it was my grandfather's car and he had to switch to a smaller car as he got older so he gave me his old car and uh as i said it had a an lpg gas conversion which i was familiar with at the time because my dad actually got an lpg gas conversion on his car in the 80s which was a long time before most people were doing it yeah. and uh one of the funny things about the car that I'd got, the the Falcon in the the 90s Falcon, there were two things I liked about it. I used to call it my Cold War Falcon, and I it had a 
on the gear shift, and it was an automatic, on the gear shift, they'd put a giant padlock that you had to arm padlock to move the gear shift so that no one would steal my grandfather's car. I love it. You know, we lived in fucking Tregear. So, yeah, so I ended up getting that car, and then I, I traded it. I, I sold that car, and it helped the money from that helped me get my current car. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, so there we go. Okay, first job. Um, well, I suppose farmhand. Yeah. I was doing it at a pretty young age. And then went into um, vineyard um, maintenance, I guess. You call it installing a vineyard and, and yeah, pretty much building the thing from scratch and then putting all the vines and stuff in. And then from there went and ran a pub when I was 18. Yeah, that's pretty impressive you ran that pub so early. Oh, I'm an impressive human. Fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you've been talking to me too much saying shit like that. Um, (laughs) My first first real job, I actually did some of that. um, The one I consider my first real job was when I did, you know, remember they did the pink bat installation? Oh yes, the ones that killed yeah. people. I, not the ones that I fucking did. All right, <laughs> I uh, I fucked up. Right, so you killed someone. <laughs> I killed so many people, man. Um, no, the 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 idea was that we were going to be using these environmentally friendly ones that were made of like a polymer, so they weren't going to be uh, the fiberglass ones. That didn't happen. It was all fiberglass. And I I had grown up around fiberglass, so I knew because my, my dad was a – he used to build boats and, and pools and stuff. He, he had a couple of different jobs like that. So I knew what it was like having fiberglass everywhere. Um, and, yeah, I was – I just didn't have the build to be up in roofs. Um, I fucking – it was a pain in the ass. It was a real tough shit job, very hot. Um and at the time, the madness of it all, like, I, I remember, I probably, I probably shouldn't be saying this. I had a friend that, uh, he did it and they said to him, uh, look, do you have any qualifications to do it? And he said, no, I don't. And they said, oh, don't worry about it. We'll give you the qualifications eventually and never, ever got qualified to actually do it properly. It was nuts. So, yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Must have been hard work being what six six foot six and hundred and ten kilos, just pure muscle trying to fit those little crawl spaces in the roof oh, and stuff. It really was. Like when you when you're fucking jacked, you know. You're that tall and jacked, it's very difficult to get into those crawl spaces. That'd be hard work. Yeah. Okay, next question. Favorite board game or card game? Board game or card game? Yeah. He plays those. Um, <laughs> you know what? There was one that I liked playing because I always won it. And it was this this um, wide world of sports ball game that was, that was around back in the, the 80s. Oh, really? Um, that was the only one I was good at. Um, other than that, jeez, oh, I don't know. We don't have any ball games here that I know of. Monopoly. So I... <laughs> Monopoly, really? Yeah. I... I... I didn't really like Monopoly that much. Um, it's a bit repetitive. I had, 
Yeah. Uh, see, I had the one that probably I had the most fun playing was um, Guess Who. I liked Guess Who. And there was a basketball board game that they had with NBA players. And you'd, you'd pick out, you'd get the, the cards you, you got and it was your team and it had stats on it. Can't remember how it worked, but I found that a lot of fun. Um, they're the two that jump out at me, I would say. But I like to guess who, because the first question you ask a guess who, do they have blue eyes? And if they've got blue eyes, you only got to choose from seven fucking people, you know? It might have changed, though. Might have changed since then. Card games? I used to play Euchre when I was younger. What's that? It's a card game. (laughs) I've never heard of that. Um... Don't don't mind poker occasionally, but I don't I don't play for main because I'm not that great at it. Um, yeah. And you know, I played you know when I was at school, but I don't remember the rules. Um, I like poker and blackjack, but I very rarely get a chance to do it. Not by not any level. It's just fuck around, you know. Yeah, the same thing. Most you know what the most card games I've played in the last number of years is on um, Red Dead Redemption, <laughs> which, which is a lot of fun. Um, okay, next question. Best ice cream flavour? Chocolate. I'd go chocolate, anything hardcore chocolate. Like if something's called triple chocolate, that's what I'm going for. Quadruple, triple chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Like if they're like chocolate with chocolate and chocolate and chocolate pieces with chocolate uh, biscuit crumbled in it. I'm all over it. Nice. Okay. Ford or Holden? I grew up with, with Holdens around, so I like to go with Holdens. My okay. uh, my mum had a HJ Monaro. Yep. That was a big piece of a thing. And the old man had a Kingswood Ute. Okay. And he, he used that as a four-wheel drive work vehicle and everything else in between. Wow. Had them both for years. Um, so, yeah, they were fans of Holdens. They don't, they don't have Holdens anymore. But um, I'll have to go with them because that's all I ever had. Yeah, so, I, look, I, I wasn't too big on Holden versus Ford. It just wasn't my thing. But I found that I've it's mostly been uh, Fords in and around my life. Um, trying to think, like, my family owned a few Fords. Um at one point, my mum my owned a Valiant, hey, when I was a really young. Yeah, it was beautiful, too. Yeah, uh, orange. Um, so, Lovely. yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I, if some, if I had to choose, I'd say Fords. You know, what can you do? There's not, I'm not big on either of them, though. Just whatever. Nah. Um, Coke or Pepsi? Um, when I was drinking soft drink, I was a Pepsi fan. Okay. I I like you know the occasional bump, sometimes lines. Um, oh no, it means cut. Okay, yeah, so, we're not talking, not talking nose candy here. Ah, uh, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, I like Coca Cola. I like uh, I choose Coke and I like vanilla Coke. Oh, you, but you know what? Fucking cherry Coke is like my crack. It's it's like. I'm fucking excited about my next cherry coke. Um, M and M's or Smarties? M and M's. Really? I... Yeah, Smarties. Smarties are weird. 
I like both. I don't have a preference. Uh, M and M's is just a little bit softer. Yep. Smarties are just they're just weird. See, I like I like eating handfuls of Smarties at a time. M and M's are a little bit different, and I like the M and M's with um the nuts in them. Ah oh, yes, but the so crispy they're... ones are good too. They're good for for smashing. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I haven't had any M and M's since about August. Really, I I can't even remember the last time I had an M and M's. Would have been a few years at least. There you go. Uh, and the last one, more and most importantly, Palmer or Palmy? Palmer. Am I Who's weird it? that I always call it chicken parmesan? I use the whole name. You're just trying to say it sounds fancy. Palmer. Well, I am Palmer. fancy to a who, certain extent. Who the hell calls them palmies? Palmy. I, I never, I don't know. I just always call them, oh, yeah, Parmesan. Well, even if you don't say Parmesan and you just go to Palmer, it's still, you're still saying Palmer to some extent. I, I, I put it this way, right? If someone said, I might get a Palmer. I'd be like, oh, that's a bit strange. If someone said, oh, I'm going to get myself a Palmy, I'd want to fucking choke that cunt right there and then. Exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's like up there with people who say pots instead of schooners. Oh, fuck. It's not there's a pot. Sh- a pot is what you put flowers and dirt in. I love it when there's the name for something, right? And someone has their own special name for it, and they'll say it like the whole world's supposed to know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah, and they're all proud about what they've just come up with. Yeah, I just it's like a bucket. <laughs> it's like have have you ever known somebody that they'll they'll talk about someone they know, like you're supposed to know who the fuck it is. Like, yeah, I was talking to like Alan the other day, and he's going on about this, and it's like, who the fuck is Alan? I don't know fucking Alan. <laughs> Give me those, some background on who the fuck Alan is, please. Those, those name droppers are always fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember talking with, with Jono the other day. You know Jono? Oh, sure you know Jono. Jono. Yeah. You know Jono? Jono. You know, Jono. The conversation becomes about not what Jono did or what the conversation is about, but, you know, whether you know Jono or not, and, you know, a bit more of one, one-upmanship. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you don't know Jono? Oh, I know Jono. Jeez, you're missing out. Just give me, like, that's why some countries have the right idea. Should have, like, a profile that you can go to. That'd be great. You just fucking look up who's Jono. Ah, he's a fucking functioning alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) Who who once scored, you know, 48 runs in a cricket game somewhere. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's how he got his legend status. Likes to complain about his bad knee. He got... Do you know, man, I <laughs> I knew a dude, right, name's Jono, um, <laughs> and he would talk about how he played fucking lower grades for Parramatta, right? This is sort of going back a long time. This is even before there were too, too much stuff on the internet about who played for who. It's before Rugby League Project, the number one source of all rugby league statistics and in history. Nice plug. And, yeah, I like doing that. Um, and he was like, oh, yeah, he played for the lower grades at Parramatta until he hurt his leg and he used to kick these 
these massive field goals and people would be like, where well, how'd you kick it so far and stuff? And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. And then one day he let slip that he stopped playing footy when he was 14. And I, I was like, <laughs> you had this fucking whole career lined up, man, that you were telling me about. Hey, we're going to be a first grader and shit. You stopped playing when you were 14. People like that anger me, hey? <laughs> See, I, I I like it when they do that because then mm. I like to just bring up what they'd said before and yeah. give them that opportunity to try and fix their mess just to <laughs> see where it goes. Yeah. Man, oh, so it... about that time you said you retired when you were 14 and you tell me about how you were playing when you were 18. Did you yeah. like come back from retirement or something? Just see what they do. <laughs> so he, like, he, watch people squirm. <laughs> he was related to a high-profile swimmer who didn't really have anything to do with a big part of the family. And he used to be really dirty on it. And he used to think, man, she made the right choice. Very much so. It's... Uh... <laughs> I love those people who've got distant relatives. I used to know someone who used to tell me that they were a fifth, fifth cousin of someone. I went, that's not even a relation. Yeah, it's, at some point. At some fifth point, they're cousin. just part of the same race. Yeah. Fifth cousin, what, you shared the same suburb with them for 15 minutes when you were on a holiday somewhere. Is that what it was? Exactly. Jesus Christ. Fifth cousin. That's fucking hilarious. That's why those are, you know when people get their DNA done? They uh, send it into the authorities so that they're on the log list for the rest of their life, um, and they like they come up with all these things and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm, you know, I'm one twenty seventh African," and it's like, just do the math on it, you know, yeah. Yeah. do the math on it. Like, well, at some point, we all go back to Africa. Do some fucking math, you fucking cunt. Does it really matter? I... Not really. Oh. See, I think I think there's the way that I look at it, right? Um, I, I, like, I always find it weird when people... I guess this is why I don't like the, the grandparent rule and all that in rugby league. I just find it weird when people try and link up their identity in certain situations to a place and a time and a lifestyle that they've never actually experienced themselves. Yeah, I I do I do know what you mean. Like fucking St Patrick's Day rolls around, and every <laughs> every that's that, I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst one. And like I I had a friend that was uh one hundred percent Irish, like born there, grew up there, was Irish, and we joke about it. Like you know, it, it'd just be hilarious. It's like when people say like, "What what am I? I'm an Australian." It's all I've ever fucking known. Not from somewhere else, am I? Well, no, that's right. That's right. People are trying to make it sound like they're trying to sound like they're more exotic. Yeah, it's like don't tart it up. You're from yeah. fucking, you know, Campbelltown, you cunt. I know where my ancestors are from, so I just say I'm from Australia because I don't people to know I've got, you know, Irish and Welsh and Scottish and yeah. English. Because that's pretty much all it is. Because, you know, my family, they come from bloody convicts over in the UK. Of course, that's all the bloodies they've got in their bloody system. <laughs> I've got my surname, for Christ's sake. It's not like you've got to guess where I come from. Yeah. <laughs> See, I was, uh, I was created in a lab. Yeah, well, 
is it created or built? Or, or jerked into a petri dish, however. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, didn't think we were going to go there. No, no. Hey, you know something? We're yeah. half hour into the inaugural Super League season of the Toronto Wolfpack. How about that? We're talking about jerking into a petri dish. Yeah. This is a rugby league podcast. Yeah. Welcome back to Rugby League, Tony B. Williams. Yeah, hopefully he's having a good day while we're talking about busting a nut into a petri dish and creating the life you know as a league freak. Yeah, what we should do is we should try and tie this back to rugby league. I'll see if I can get a uh, score update. Okay, yeah, that's a good idea. I, I, I feel like they're probably going to lose their first game, but I hope they're doing well. Let's have one tweet in the last hour. And it says, Team News, 35 minutes ago, they've named their team to play. Oh. What, they haven't kicked off yet. I saw a thing that said that the fucking kickoff time for Australia was 12.30. Man, there's nothing on Twitter. That's that's crazy. Bear with me, people, while I look on the Super League website and as a... As a rugby league historian and updater, I can tell you that this is probably not going to bear any fruit whatsoever. Yeah, it looks like they haven't kicked off. That sucks. Maybe their coverage has just started or something. Hang on a second. 2.30 p.m. England time. So, yeah, so it starts in... I guess that's when the coverage started, hey? Must be. It kicks off in 25 minutes for us, I think. Uh, yes, it starts in 25 minutes. I don't think we can pad that long, can we? I don't know. What other vessels could you jerk off into? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's let's wrap this bitch up, and uh, we'll come back to the Toronto game tomorrow sometime. Sounds good. Sounds good. That sounds like a plan. Alrighty, people. Um, thanks for tuning in and enduring quite an interesting podcast episode. Um you can follow us on Twitter at Fergo Freak Pod. You can send an email to us at podcast at leaguefreak.com. Uh, check out our website, fergoandthefreak.com. That's the one, isn't yep. it? Yep, that's um, the one. We're on LinkedIn, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. We're just, we are, we're practically, we're practically the coronavirus on your computer. <laughs> oh, jeez. We are everywhere. We're all over everything. You just you, you can't turn a corner without us being around somewhere. We're the Jackson Pollock of podcasting. <laughs> That's quite true. <laughs> so if Jackson Pollock and uh, and uh, Pablo Picasso decided to do some work together, pretty much, yeah, it's just yeah. Ab- abstract splattering of shit. Yes, <laughs> That's exactly. Us. Like uh, us talking talking art now. It's like a high class podcast now. We're getting talking about artists. Yeah, we're a bunch of highfalutin cats, aren't we? <laughs> Sometimes we just we might just surprise people with what we do know, including ourselves. Yeah. See, this is why we got to do regular podcasts because we we do this. Yeah, In fact, we we we're gonna run this thing into the ground if we do this. <laughs> it's uh. It's worth noting that this is very close to two hours now, this episode. Holy shit. It's been so, fun. That's been brilliant. Yeah. So we'll wrap this up. Thanks for enduring us, everyone. Um, 
if you prefer to our episodes, um, don't get used to it. We're not going to do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this has been largely trash, but you know, for some reason you love it, so we'll keep pumping them out, eh? Yeah, sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. Alrighty, everyone, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.